0: Well, wasn't that very nice? I mean, just to see how everyone is doing and knowing that everybody is safe and well and at home, it it really does just warm my heart. I've actually been spending a, a little more time here in the office at the church since all of this began, since no one else is here. I thought it would make sense. Of course, I've been keeping busy managing the staff, studying, making phone calls and the like. It's keeping me busy. Of course, I can't wait to get back together again. Won't it be wonderful to be together Well, I would like to uh, have you join me, please, in the Gospel of John. That's where we're looking together this morning. John chapter 20 is where we're going to begin. A familiar story I know to many of you. In fact, I, I, I'm really grateful to be able to share this with you because uh, I, I was thinking, well, you know, it's the week after Easter. Maybe I would take some time and, and uh, begin to plan a new series. But the Lord gave me this message, and I want to share it with you, and I hope it, it's meaningful. So John chapter 20. We're going to begin with verse 24, and I'll read down through verse 29. May the Lord speak through his word today. Let's read this together. It says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. May God add his blessing to his word this day. Last Sunday, of course, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. The story of the cross does not end in desperation and grief, nor darkness and despair. It is the story of an empty tomb and a risen Savior. His mission to redeem humanity was complete. That is our story. Now, it is interesting to me that John's gospel provides for us the most complete and, in fact, comprehensive picture of the next sequence of events. While all the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all report on the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, for instance, it was Luke that we looked at last week, that we saw the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. However, it is John that is the most specific, and the most detailed in his account of how Jesus continued his earthly ministry after the cross. According to John, Jesus is convening what I would call a family reunion of the disciples just one week after the resurrection. John makes it clear that something important is going on here. Now, I believe that Jesus was not prepared to return to the right hand of his heavenly Father, until all of his disciples that remained were securely bonded to the reality of the resurrection. John tells us that, that, that what makes this meeting of disciples here very different from the other encounters that Jesus had had with his disciples that week was that now Thomas, also called Didymus, was there. He had not yet seen for himself that Jesus was in fact alive. Now, I I want to take a moment here and just think about a profound and very beautiful truth. The truth is, Jesus wants none of his children to be lost and for all to be saved. Now, hear me out, I'm not talking about a universalism a very problematic and dangerous doctrine that teaches everybody is going to be saved regardless of what they believe and what they do. But what we do know is that Jesus loves you so much that it is his heart's desire to see that you spend eternity with him. Now, of course, that choice is always up to you. You can choose to receive him or you can choose to reject him. But it is his intent that you come to know him, that you believe in him, that you be saved. He refuses to return to heaven without giving Thomas an opportunity to believe in Jesus himself. Now, Jesus was teaching his disciples one time, and in Matthew 24, he makes this announcement. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Jesus, of course, wants this gospel to be preached throughout the whole world. He tells us, in fact, that he would delay his second coming until the whole world had the opportunity to hear and receive or reject the gospel. Now, a lot of people are talking about end times and Christ's return in these days. Is this virus a fulfillment of biblical prophecy? I remind people that as Christians, we should always be prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout history, in fact, there have been plagues and wars and rumors of war. But Jesus said the end would come. When his gospel was preached throughout the whole world, then the end will come. Now, I want you to think about that with me, because it occurs to me as we conduct this very service from the upper room in North Olmsted. Isn't it interesting that this very broadcast might be seen anywhere in the world? i i don 't think i 'm cut out to be a televangelist i 'm learning that but but in a sense that 's what i 've become, but someone in China or India or Rwanda can tune in to this very service. so when people ask me, Is this the end times i I would believe it it 's getting close. The only thing that I can can think to, that is holding heaven back at this moment is that the gospel should be preached in every tongue. And so there are still people groups that I'm aware of who have not heard the gospel in their own language. But we know this. 2 Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some would count slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So Jesus is patient. He wants all of humanity. He wants you to live with him forever in glory. But there's another thing I I see here as I began to reflect on this passage, and I want you to see it with me. John tells us that when Jesus first met with the group of disciples, that Thomas was not there. Now, I, I want you to think about that for a moment. He was not there when Jesus came. Let me point out to you that Thomas stood at risk of losing that ultimate blessing because he made the mistake of forsaking the fellowship of his brothers. During that time of crisis, when Jesus was looked to have been dead and gone and buried and all hope was lost, Thomas retreated to be alone. He he wanted to be by himself He stopped meeting with and being with his spiritual family. Now, do you see the danger there? There is a danger there, isn't there? Now, in normal circumstances, of course, I might make the point that there is a blessing that comes when we come to church. When we gather together. And, of course, that would be a very valid point. We are having virtual church this morning, and to me, that is like going somewhere on a virtual vacation to a beach. The truth is, it's just not the same. A beach vacation means sand between your toes, sea air in your lungs, the sun shining on your face and getting a tan. A church service means singing together, praising God together, laughing together. Human contact, hugs and smiles all around. But, but in this crisis we are facing right now as a nation, truth is we can't come together physically. But it is no less important that we make the decision to gather together as we are able I mean, as you are listening this morning to this service, you are worshiping with us. We are studying the scriptures. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part. Truth is, you could turn us off, tune us out. Or you could just ignore us altogether and never tune in at all. The truth is, no one would ever know. But then I think to myself, well, how many hours of Netflix can one really watch? Where can you get quality storytelling like we have about penguins and the like these last couple of weeks? We, we don't even have the temptation of live sports, men. It, it, it's gotten so very bad. I saw a video this week of, a, of nuns dressed in their habits playing ba- uh, basketball. The commenters were posting, please, please televise this. People are getting desperate. But my point is, we need to be together, and you are wise for joining us. Because Jesus might just show up. Now, I know that there are some who are quick to point out that you can't get saved by coming to church, or certainly by tuning into this service. And yes, I will agree. Church attendance, tuning in, listening to me, that will not save you. But it will put you in a position where you just might hear from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't want you to miss him. Now, I want you to consider Thomas for these moments. The other disciples come and they find Thomas. They go out to him and they tell him that Jesus, the Messiah, has returned from the dead. He's been resurrected. He's alive, they say. Now look at what Thomas says. On the surface, it sounds like the height of suspicion and doubt. Thomas says, until I see the nail pierced hand and the wound in his side, I will not believe. But Thomas is making an important point. You are telling me that you have seen Jesus for yourself. You are not telling me that somebody told you. You are telling me because of what you have seen. In other words, Thomas is saying, I am a disciple of Jesus. I want the same experience as you have had. I was there when he fed the hungry, just like you were. I was there when he healed the sick, just like you were. I was there when he gave sight to the blind, just like you were. I I was there when he cleansed lepers, just like you were. I was there when he raised Lazarus from the grave, just like you were. Listen, men, if you're going to expect me to have the same excitement, the same enthusiasm that you were showing to me, if you expect me to risk my life and limb going around preaching this story, if you expect me to travel the world and convince others to follow Jesus, then I want to have this same experience that you've had. Because when I am preaching, somebody just might ask me, how do I really know that Jesus is alive? And I do not want to have to tell them, well, Peter told me, or John told me, or James told me so. I want to be able to say, I know that he lives because I have seen him for myself. I do not want a they said so gospel. I want my own story. Now, I want you to hear that because I think that's so true. You and I are like that. And friends, I think when it comes to God, each of us needs to have our own story. If I stand here this morning and say to you that God will be a mother to the motherless or a father to the fatherless, for me, that is, they said so kind of testimony. Because I am blessed this morning because I have both my earthly mother and my earthly father. And they are wonderful people. I can at best tell you what I've heard others say who have lost their mom or lost their father. They could tell you, my son Caleb is graduating college this year. It's not the best time to be entering the job market. And I've seen him with anxiety and a little bit of worry, and he's wondering, what's next? It's not a great time to to launch a career. But I've told him, listen, son, I don't know how it happens, but when I was a young man, I can tell you what God did for me. He directed my path each step of the way. He provided for me again and again. Sometimes miraculously, he led me each step of the way when it came to my ministry. And I promise you this, if you will follow him, he will do that for you. I can tell you that because that's what he's done for me. The Lord has been my strength. He's been my helper. That's that's not a they said so kind of testimony. I'm telling you because I have seen God do it. In my life now, friends, we all need our own God' story, where, where, where your life has been turned around. He, he saved you from the gutter, he moved you in your heart during a worship service. You received him as your savior, He liberated you from drugs, he gave you a job, he put you in a house, he healed your marriage. When you speak you 're not talking about what somebody else told you but you're talking about what you've seen and experienced God in your life. We all do need our own God story. And this is what occurred to me. You know, Thomas, what he was really saying was, listen, gentlemen, I am not really doubting Jesus. I am doubting those of you who are telling me this story. I've been around you guys for a while. I know that you have some defects in your character. I've been around long enough to see them myself. Just think about Judas. Prime example. But Nathaniel, wasn't all that long ago when you said nothing good could come from Nazareth? I look at James and John. You guys were ready to call down fire on a village not that long ago. Matthew, you are my brother. I saw you for years cheat other people as a tax collector. Oh, wait a second here. How long ago was it when someone of our midst uh, denied him three times? Oh, yeah, that was Peter. Listen, I, I, I just don't think I can base my sermons on what you guys say. I would rather base my message on what I have come to know myself. I need my own resurrection story. And so the disciples gathered together in the upper room a week later. And this time Thomas is with them. Now again, I want you to notice how precise John is here. He lets us know how Jesus arrives. Notice that he says that Jesus enters the room with the doors being closed and the windows shut. Now, I ask you, how does Jesus get into a room where the doors are closed and the windows are shut? But before you say, well, that's just impossible, let me remind you that there are some things that a closed door and a shut window cannot keep out. By staying home these few weeks, we are, of course, trying to close our doors and shut our windows to keep out a virus. And thankfully, and boy, let's praise the Lord. It appears in many ways to be working, although our hearts break for, for those who have lost loved ones. Our hearts are encouraged and, and, and buoyed by those who are heroes on the front lines. But we have ourselves our isolated, cl- doors closed, windows shut. But there are some things that closed doors and shut windows cannot keep out. It cannot keep out the cold. If you've lost your heat, it cannot keep out misery or loneliness, sickness, depression, a broken heart. It it cannot keep out even death. Well, One of the effects of this virus quarantine that we've begun to see is how many people are falling into depression because their routines have been disrupted and they're not connecting with people. They are lonely. It's traumatic for some. Listen, my friends, if a closed door and a shut window cannot keep those things out, then may I suggest to you that a closed door and a shut window may not keep Jesus out either. For those of you who are stuck at home, may that be a comfort to you right now. After all, Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open the door, I will come in with him and he with me. Jesus walks up directly to Thomas. He says in so many words, he says, Thomas, I am here for you. And since you needed to see my hands and my side, here they are. Take a look, have your way, so like the other disciples, you can have your own testimony. But look at Thomas's reaction. Thomas responds by saying, my Lord and my God. And did you notice that Thomas never does what he previously stated he had to do? What it was going to take for him to believe. He rejects his own criteria. He never does put a finger in the nail print. He never does put his hand in the gaping wound of Jesus' side. He takes one look at Jesus and says, my Lord and my God. My Lord. That means that you have dominion over my life. You have the right to direct me as ever you will. I can trust you. I can follow you. I can submit to your plans. I can stand on your promises. I can depend on you, my Lord. I was not willing to do that with the other disciples. But I can do that with you because you are my Lord. This morning, my friends, he is Lord. And I ask you this question, is he your Lord? That you can depend on him, that he is doing exactly what he needs to do to accomplish his perfect will for your life. He is your waywaker, your provider, your sustainer, your protector, your guide through these uncertain days. He is Lord. He's my Lord. But Thomas doesn't stop there. He also says, my God. Thomas recognizes once and for all that Jesus was not just a man, but he is the one from all eternity, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the almighty father, the mighty God, the eternal one, that Jesus alone is worthy of adoration, all praise, all worship, that that Jesus has created a new creation and it begun, begun with this earth and it extends to all eternity. My God, Thomas says, he says, When I'm connected to you on this side, I can know no matter what happens, I will be connected to you on the other side. When my body turns to dust on this side, I will be given a new body on the other side because you are my God, because you are there. When my name is forgotten on this earth, I am forever known by my God who exists in all time. He is my Lord, not only here on this earth, but he is my God for all eternity. So Thomas says to Jesus, I thought I needed to put my finger in your hand and my hand in your side. But just one look at your face has convinced me that you are who you say you are. You are worthy of my worship. Oh, that you would see his face today. Oh, that you would worship him as he is. Listen, my friends, just one look at Jesus, even this morning, will dispel your worries, will cause your doubts to melt, put faith in your heart, give you love for your enemies, and cause you to hate every sin. You know, I, I, I really can't close this message, however, quite yet. Because if I closed right there, the reality is, in some ways, that would leave you and I out. Thomas believed because he had the opportunity to see for himself that Jesus was alive. But Jesus anticipates that everybody is not going to be sitting in Thomas's chair. And so Jesus establishes a new blessing. A new blessing for those who were not in the upper room. A new blessing for those who weren't there. A new blessing for those who did not see him. And so Jesus says to Thomas, You believe because you have seen me, but blessed are those who believe and had not seen Friends, Jesus says that Thomas was a believer, but Jesus goes on to say that you and I are blessed. And then I began to realize something. We have a blessing that Thomas never received. We have a blessing that the other disciples never got. Thomas was a believer, but you and I are blessed. We, we were not in the upper room. We were not there at the foot of the cross. We were not there on the road to Emmaus. We, didn't, we weren't there when he broke the bread. We were not there to see his hands and his feet and his side. We were not there to watch him ascend into the heavens. But Jesus said that we are blessed because we believe and had not seen. And friends, when Jesus says you are blessed... You can take that to the bank. Listen, you are blessed this morning. You may not be here. We may not be together, but you are blessed. Consider the blessings God has given you. Be glad in your heart this morning. Listen, when Jesus says you are blessed, no demon can take that away. When Jesus says you are blessed, there is no enemy that can steal that. When Jesus says you are blessed, there is no complainer that can erase it. When Jesus says you are blessed, there is no liar that will alter that. When Jesus says you are blessed, there is no virus that can diminish it. And so my prayer for you this morning, this is my prayer for our church, that you might have a joy that the world isn't giving. And because it's not the world giving it to you, the world can't take it away from you. Friend, you believe in Jesus. He's alive. And so be blessed. Let's pray together. Our great Lord and God. We are in awe this morning as we think about the many stories that could be told of how, Lord, maybe we weren't in that upper room, but we've seen you work. We've seen how you have given us grace and mercy, forgiveness, hope, power. How, Lord, you you take the most difficult things and you bring glory to yourself. How, Lord, we have experienced your forgiveness and love. And how, Lord, you have taught us how to forgive and love others. Lord, we are, in fact, a blessed people. I pray that we would live like it. No matter where anyone is today, I pray that, Lord, you would just give them a fresh experience of your blessing that they would hear that word and they would claim it unto themselves and they would look out and they would say, God is good, he is my Lord and he is my God and I can trust him for you are faithful and sure. You are the rock upon which we live. Thank you, Lord, for this love so overwhelming. Thank you for the patience of your love. This love that that, that Lord just burst forth through walls and, and doors and Lord, is not contained but that comes to us and reminds us that we can be with you forever. And, Lord, may it start today. May we be with you right now. Oh, God, may we know your peace and your presence. And if anyone there, Lord, who is listening doesn't know you, may they open their heart to you, burst forth, and let them know that you are alive. And forever may they be blessed. We pray this through the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.